The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. We're in, a, we're in a series we started last week called I Have issues, you got them too. And we're going to keep doing this every week. Turn to the person beside you and say, I've got issues. Now turn to the other person and say, you got them too. We all have issues. We all have stuff we're working through. We get saved and Jesus comes and he fixes the sin issue. He, he fixes that relational issue, which we talked about last week. But there is a journey that we go on with Jesus. And there are things that we have to work out. You know, just because you got saved doesn't mean everything about your life changed. There's some things, there's some patterns in our life. There's some renewing of the mind that needs to take place that we need to step into. And so last week we laid the foundation. And I just want to say, if you missed last week's message, please go back and listen to it. You can listen on newsongpeople.com slash, newsongpeople.com slash media or to our podcast. But I, I laid a lot of groundwork in that message last week for, for what we are going to be talking about over the next several weeks. It's really important that you hear that message. And I'll give you a real quick, simple idea of it. Jesus came to fix the relationship issue. The problem Jesus came to fix was he wanted to be connected to you. It, it, sin was a problem that was in the way of the real issue that was that he wanted to connect with you. But very often as Christians, we make the focus of our life fixing sin problems, so we're just trying not to sin, when really what God's called us to do is to pursue him, pursue knowing him, pursuing having a relationship with him. So that's very important. And moving forward in this series, that has to be the core value that we hang on to in everything we do. Now, today we're going to tackle the first issue. And this is an issue that each and every one of us deal with in one way or another. Some of you in here today don't think this is an issue for you, but it is. I'm going to show you this today. Some of you recognize that it's an issue for you today. And wherever you may be today, this is an issue, and it's an issue we have to deal with. And the issue we're going to tackle today is the issue of Anger. Anger. Everybody say anger. anger. Anger is an issue that all of us deal with. It's something that we're going to have to face. It's something you're going to face on a daily basis. It's something that people are going to put you in a position to receive. It's something that's going to happen. It's not something that you're going to grow out of as you mature in just life. It doesn't happen. In fact, I've met a lot of very angry old people in my life. You ever met some of these old get-off-my-lawn grandpa kind of people? It doesn't get better. It gets worse if we don't deal with it. So we've got to, we want to tackle this issue today and, and see what is the response that we're supposed to have to the issue of anger. So today we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at anger, what causes it, where it comes from, when it's bad, and also when it's good and how it can be used uh, for the right reasons. Okay, so in the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, I had you turn there. Right after the fall of, of man with Adam and Eve where they sinned and disobeyed God, uh, the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, we have uh, the next big sin, the big issue that we see that takes place. And it is an issue where these two brothers, Cain and Abel, get mad. And there's, specifically, Cain gets mad. And so here's the thing. Cain and Abel bring these sacrifices to God. If you've never read this story, I encourage you to go back and read it this week. I'm going to give you kind of the short version of it. They bring these sacrifices to God. And, and one brings some, some fruit and, and vegetables and stuff. And the other brings... Uh, his best of his livestock. And so here's the deal. Like you read it and you go, well, one, uh, you know, what, what was the issue here? Well, the issue is one brought his best and the other just brought some. And I want you to know this morning that God doesn't want some. <laughs> 
He doesn't want your leftovers. He wants your best. God deserves your best. Amen? Amen. So, so Cain and Abel bring these sacrifices. Well, Cain just brings some. And God doesn't accept his offering. And this makes Cain mad. It aggravates him. It aggravates him that his brother's sacrifice is accepted and his isn't. And he, he's, he's ticked off about it. And so it says this in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Cain was very angry. This is the first time we see a person angry in Scripture. And his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Here's what God's saying. What's wrong with you, dude? What's your problem? What, why are you so mad? Who, and who are you mad at? If you just do the right thing, if you do what you're supposed to do, you'll be accepted. Now look at what he goes on to say here. Uh, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Okay, so God warns Cain in this verse. Buddy, you better get this together. You better get this fact figured out because this is, this is trying to master you. Sin is trying to master you. And if you don't get this, this, this anger issue figured out, it's gonna hurt you. It's gonna do damage to your life. Well, if you know the story, Cain doesn't get it figured out. The next verse tells us that he, he goes in and he's, he's so mad that he murders his brother. And this is the first murder that we see in all of human history. Why? Because he was mad. Why? Because he felt, he felt not accepted and he, he, he lashed out. He didn't, he didn't learn to master his anger. It mastered him and it caused him to sin. Now here's what I believe God is saying to us today. I believe what God is saying to us today is what he said to Cain back in the day, which is this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. You gotta understand that the devil is looking for an opportunity to get into your life, to get inside of you and, and hurt you and steal from you and, and, and position you so that you can't walk in the life God has for you. That's what he's trying to do. And he's looking for any opportunity, any open door so that he can do this. So we have to control ourselves. We've got to learn to master some of these issues. We've got to learn to master this sin issue. Now, uh, something you need to understand about, about anger is that anger is not always bad. In fact, anger is actually something that God created. Anger is, is, is a God-made thing. And, and anger is not always inappropriate. There are times when anger, uh, when used the right way, there's righteous anger and unrighteous anger. There's times when it's right and it's the right thing to do. For example, um, somebody is hurting my children. Somebody's messing with my family. Someone's trying to get in between me and my spouse. Uh, it's okay for me in that situation to get angry and to rise up in my anger. That's okay. And there are things in this world, you got to understand, there's, there's stuff going on in this world that we as people, we as Christians, should get upset about. We should get angry about some of the injustices that we see in this world. It should bother us. It should anger us that, that there are people that during this service today, they're going to die of starvation. That should bother us. It should bother us that there's still racism existing in the world like we see today. This should bother us. This should this should, there should be something rising up inside of us that says that's not right and we got to do something about it. That's, that's, that's holy, righteous anger. And, and it's kind of this defense mechanism. And really what it is, is it's a picture of love when it's done the right way. It, it's fighting for what's right. It's fighting for love. It's fighting for the truth. Now the Bible says this in Ephesians 4.26. This is a very important verse. In Ephesians 4.26, it says that we are to be angry 
And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay, so notice in this verse, it says that we can, we can be angry as long as we don't sin. Notice that, that anger is not the sin. It's what we do with the anger. It's how we, it's how we express the anger. It's how the anger comes out. That's, that's where we can fall into trouble. That's where we can stumble into sin. Okay, so, so what does anger look like? Well, well, here's what I've noticed is there's, there's, in my opinion, there's two groups of people when it comes to anger. Uh, if you really want to get into it and break it down, there's lots of different groups and you could divide it down into, you know, 15, 20 something groups. But I think most people fall into two large groups. Okay, I'm going to call the first group of people the machine guns. The machine guns. If you're taking notes, write this down. The machine guns. Now, here's what's the machine gun? The machine gun is this person. Like they get mad and they just spray everybody around them, right? They get ticked off, something angers them, and they are going to let everybody know. They're going to say things. They're going to do things. They're going to let everybody know that they're mad, and they're going to express it, and it's going to get all over. They just, they just let it fly. Now, i got to be real transparent with you this morning. <laughs> this has been me at times in my life. This message today, just so you know, this is a very personal message for me because I have had some times in my life when I flew off the handle a little bit. In fact, uh, my sister would tell you I have stabbed her twice. I'm your pastor. Good luck with that. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Once was an accident, and that was with a knife. The other was on purpose, and that was with a fork. But, yeah, that's your, uh, that's your pastor. And, and I've, I've had to deal with, I've had to deal with anger. And what you're going to hear today is a lot of the things that God's helped me to see when it comes to anger. Now, here's, here was part of my problem. Uh, growing up, I was a very small kid. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer. And I always, every year, I looked like I was about three years younger than I really was. Like in eighth grade, I looked like a fifth grader. When I was a freshman, I looked like a seventh grader. Like I, and so I was always small and short. And it didn't help that two of my best friends, uh, they hit puberty really early. And they both shot up to like 6'2 and 6'5. And I'm like 5'11. It was, I was like 5'3. It was terrible. So I'm sitting in church and they're like towering above. It was very embarrassing. And here's what happened to me. I, I felt inferior because of this. Like I felt like because people physically looked down on me, that people were, look down, were looking down on me, like they thought they were better than me. And so this is kind of that little man syndrome. You've probably heard this before. I got this giant chip on my shoulder, and I was just looking for somebody or something that someone would do, and I would let people have it, and I would fly off the handle, and I would cut people with my words, and I was, I, I was mean, and I would, I would fight and get angry and kind of go off. I remember one time I was playing with a friend in my neighborhood. I was just a little kid, uh, probably like fifth grade or so, and we were playing home run derby. And uh, on this particular day, like I had a group of buddies that I would play with in my neighborhood, but only, I could only get one of my buddies to play with me, a guy named Alan. And now Alan was the kid that like if all the other kids couldn't play, I'd go to Alan's house, right? So I, I liked Alan, but he wasn't my first choice. But I'm, I'm playing with Alan, and we're playing home run derby. Now, if you know home run derby, you play nine innings, and anything outside of a home run is an out. Now, typically, I would dominate Alan at every sport we would play. But on this particular day, um, I was doing really bad, and Alan was on fire. He was dominating me. And uh, it was really making me mad, because I typically always beat him, and, you know, I considered myself to be the athlete, and Alan, like, not trying to be mean or trying to, but Alan was a little overweight, a little, little paunchy, 
And so it was just ticking me off that he's beating me. So we get to the ninth inning, and, uh, and I'm up to bat. And now I'm just try, I'm trying so bad because I'm losing to hit a home run. And if you've ever played baseball, you know that's the worst thing that you can do. And so I'm just hitting the ball, and it's just diving into the ground. And on the last out, he actually strikes me out. And I remember striking out and, you know, kind of ending with the bat over here and looking at him. And he was excited because he never beat me. So what does he start doing? He starts to do a little dance. And he's a little heavy. And so things are moving. And I'm watching this. I'm like, dude, I'm going to kill. And so what do I do? Here's what I do. I have a bat in my hand. So I take the bat. I swing this way. And I let it fly. And I throw a metal baseball bat at my friend. I'm your pastor, by the way. So, and here's the thing. I let it fly. And it's helicoptering towards my friend. And immediately, as soon as I let it go, I'm like in the process of letting it go, thinking, what is wrong with me? And the bat is heading towards him, and I'm thinking about prison time and what the rest of my life is going to look like here. And luckily, Alan kind of ducks out of the way in the last second, and the bat misses, you know, taking his head off. And then he looks at me. I remember seeing him looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And I immediately ran over, and I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't know what is wrong with me. Like, come inside. I got some, my mom got some cherry 7-Up. Let's, let's make this up, right? And that's, that's kind of what we do. You know, if you're a machine gun person or you've been around machine gun people, this is what they do. They get mad, they blow up, they do stupid stuff. And then what do they do? They, they come back and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me make it up to you. But the damage has been done. And if you're a machine gun, you know that you have an issue with anger. But here's the other group of people. And this group of people tends to live in denial when it comes to anger. And that is what I like to call the mute, the mute. Now, a, a machine gun, they, they get mad and, and they blow up, but the mute, they do just the opposite. They clam up. A machine gun, uh, they get violent, but the mute, they get silent. And like I said, they kind of live in this like denial that it's really happening. If you, if you know a, a mute and you went up to them and you see, like you can tell something's, something's not right and you go up and you're like, hey, you, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. What's going on? Is something wrong? No, I'm good. Now, I can tell, are you, are you mad about something? I'm not mad. So I can tell that you are mad. What are you mad about? I'm not mad. I'm, I'm just a little, I'm a little aggravated, but I'm fine. <laughs> ringing a bell, anybody in here? And, and it rings a bell for me because, I'll, I'll just again, me being transparent, I am the machine gun. Sarah is the mute in our family, okay? So I tend to blow up. She tends to, to kind of close things down. We're just being real this morning. And most of the time, it's that way. If you're a machine gun, you most likely are going to marry a mute. Why? Because two machine guns would kill each other. <laughs> and two mutes would never talk. So this is typically how it works. And, and, the, and the mute, they don't want to really admit. But here, here's what you got to see. Because I think sometimes we as machine guns, we recognize like, okay, I need to deal with my anger. But sometimes I think the mutes, they think, no, I'm good. I don't have an anger issue. I don't have a problem with this. I, I, I'm able to control it. But what we don't realize is what they're actually doing is they're just swallowing it down. And when they swallow it down, it poisons them. See, while the machine gun, they get mad and they blow up on everybody around them and they do damage to the, the people around them. Here's what the mutes do. They just swallow it down and they do damage to themselves. They hurt themselves. They poison themselves because they don't have, they don't speak it out or talk it out or communicate it and get, get it out there and, and deal with it. And the Bible kind of talks about this. In Jeremiah 15, verse 17, we see this verse kind of speaking to, to this kind of issue here. It says, in verse 17, I stayed by myself, that's typical of the mute, and was filled with anger. Notice that 
They're staying by themselves. They're all alone. They're kind of compacting it down, but they're getting more and more full of anger. Why do I keep suffering? Why are my wounds incurable? Why, why can't I seem to get over this is what it means here. Why won't they heal? Here's why. Because you're holding them in and you're poisoning yourself and you're hurting yourself. See, here, here's the thing about mutes. Here's how a mute loses their temper. They lose it inside of themselves. We think of losing our temper as flying off the handle, but sometimes losing our temper is packing it down inside. And here's the problem. It's like a trash compactor. You pack it down, you pack it down, you pack it down, but eventually it's going to overflow. And when it overflows, if you've ever been around a mute, one issue will happen and all of a sudden there's 15 other issues and you're going, whoa, okay, where did this come from? But it's, it's just finally there's an eruption that takes place. So neither of these people, neither of these groups, which is what most of us fall into, necessarily know how to handle this anger issue the right way. So how do we deal with anger? Well, I want to show you some stuff God's shown me over the past few years. In fact, a few years back, I started studying anger and trying to learn how to deal with anger. And God brought me to Jesus and told me to look at the story of Jesus, look at the life of Jesus. And so I want to show you this today. And if you study the life of Jesus, what you'll discover is there's actually three instances in Jesus's life where he dealt with anger. But here's the cool thing about Jesus. We know Jesus was, was man and God. He lived on this earth and he never sinned. So to be angry and sin not, we can look at the life of Jesus and discover how he dealt with anger. Okay, so if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff today. So get ready, get your notes out, get your paper ready, get your, get your iPhone out, get ready to take some notes, all right? The first time that we see Jesus dealing with anger is in Mark chapter 3. And what's happening here is this, this man comes to Jesus and he has a shriveled hand. In other words, he's handicapped. We don't exactly know what's wrong, but something is wrong with this guy's hand. And Jesus wants to heal him. But the Pharisees, who are always with Jesus, always, you know, messing with Jesus, always trying to find something to get mad about Jesus, they don't think this guy should be healed. Why? Because it's the Sabbath. And so the, these Pharisees, they don't care about the man. All they care about is the rules, is the laws, is they have no care for this man. So, so look at what Jesus, look at how Jesus responds. Mark chapter 3, verse 5, it says, he looked around at them, talking about these Pharisees, in anger. Everybody say Anger. And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, what man? The man that had the hurt hand, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. So notice what Jesus does in this story. He doesn't actually say anything or even deal with the Pharisees. He just heals the, the man who was in need. Okay, here's the next story. Mark chapter 10, just a few chapters over. This is the second time we see Jesus getting angry in Scripture. We see anger attached to Jesus. And here's what's going on in this story. Uh, some children are being brought to Jesus. And, 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 they want, and parents are bringing these children to Jesus because they want Jesus to touch them. Now understand this about Jesus. Jesus never touched anybody without there being some kind of an exchange where he would deposit something into them. He would deposit healing. He would deposit word. He would deposit love. He was always, he was always giving. And so the, the fact that these parents are bringing these children to Jesus means that these children need something. They're probably sick. There's probably something wrong with them, okay? So look at what happens here. Verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. The disciples, this is God's 12, this is Jesus' 12 dudes, his boys. They rebuked them, rebuked who? The parents for bringing these kids. Verse 14, when Jesus saw this, look at this, he was indignant. That word indignant means he had strong displeasure that he was insulted. I would say it like this. Jesus got ticked off, okay? He was not happy with this. He said to them, 
Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So what does Jesus see here? He sees an injustice. He sees people that he loves and cares about that want to come to him, and other people are withholding that. And so he speaks to these people that he cares about, because he loves them. He says, hey, your thinking is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. This is not cool. Let the little children come to me. Now, here's the third story. This is probably the most famous story where we see Jesus getting angry in, in Scripture. This is the story of, of Jesus in the temple. You probably heard the story where he turns over the tables with the money changers. You can read this story in John chapter 2. It's also in Luke chapter 19. And in this story, uh, there's some injustice, again, being done. Look at this, verse, verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Now you read that and you go, okay, so what's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. People back in the day used to bring these, these sacrifices. They, they'd go to the temple and to worship God, they would make these sacrifices. Uh, but many times they had to travel to the temple from wherever they were and they would purchase their sacrifices near or around the temple that they were going to go make at the temple. So here's what these, these people are doing. They have made the, the temple into a marketplace and they are upcharging the cell of these sacrifices. They're ripping people off. And, and the temple has become like this marketplace where they're selling all sorts of stuff and it's, it's not at all how God designed it to be. And this makes Jesus mad. Look at what he does here. This is awesome. So he made a whip out of cords. Jesus is awesome. Like he went and he's like, okay, cool. And he went and built something to go do something about this. <laughs> this is really awesome. And drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. Like he drew them, all, drove them all out. He scattered the coins and money changers. He's turned over tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Okay, so here's what Jesus sees. Jesus sees this injustice. He sees people keeping other people from being able to worship God freely the way they're supposed to. And this makes Jesus mad and he's not going to stand for it. And so what does he do? He, he goes and he builds a whip and he chases them away. All right, so in these three stories, we actually see three different kinds of responses that Jesus has to anger. In the first situation, what does he do? He, he doesn't address the people. He just addresses the issue. And he brings healing to the man with the, with the withered hand. In the second, he addresses his people because of their wrong thinking. And then the third, he's moved to action to drive out this injustice that's being done. Now, there's, there's four things that God showed me that we can learn from these three stories that will help us in dealing with anger, all right? So if you're taking notes, here we go, four things. Number one is this, we see in Jesus and how he dealt with anger. Jesus' anger always had the proper motivation. Jesus' anger always had the proper motivation. In other words, he was angry for the right reasons, he wasn't just flying off the handle because people were aggravating him. He wasn't just upset with people. He, he, his, his anger was, was justified in why he was being angry. His, his anger was targeted at this. It was targeted at sinful behavior and injustices. That's what his anger was directed to. He was not angry at God. He was not angry at, at the weaknesses that he saw in other people. He was not angry over petty arguments or just stupid stuff. His anger was not selfish at all. It wasn't about him. It was about things that he were seeing, things that he was seeing that were going wrong in other people's lives. His anger was motivated by love. Jesus' anger stemmed from love and concern for people's spiritual and physical condition. 
That's the, that's the kind of love that Jesus had, and that's how his anger was expressed. Now, here's the question for us. What are you angry about? And what's motivating your anger? And we'll come back to that in just a little bit. Let's look at the second thing that we see from the life of Jesus and how he dealt with anger. Jesus' anger had the proper duration. Jesus' anger had the proper duration. You don't don't read in Scripture that like a few chapters later, the disciples had to come to Jesus and be like, Hey, Jesus, we've noticed that um, since, you know, the whole temple thing where you got mad, your messages have gotten a little harsh. Like it seems like you've been really calling down the fire and brimstone lately and, you know, telling everybody they're going to hell. No, we don't, see we don't see his disciples having to come to him and be like, Jesus, dude, calm down, man. Chill out. We don't see that. In fact, what's amazing, if you read the account of, of him chasing these people out with the whip that he did in the, in the temple, if you read the account of that in Luke chapter 19, we, we see what he does directly right after this. Luke 19, verse 47. Look, this is amazing. After that, after what? After he turned over tables, chased people and animals out with a whip. After that, he taught daily in the temple. Right after this, he goes into that temple and he starts teaching people the word. And here's what that tells me. That tells me that Jesus was in control of his anger. He wasn't just flying off the handle and out of control. He, he knew how to handle his anger. He knew when to, to get angry and he knew how to disconnect from it and move back into, into being motivated in a different kind of way to reach people. Now, here's the question for us. Are, are we the same way? Because see, here's what happens to me. It probably happens to you too. I can get angry and I can kind of stew in my own juices, right? You know, we're getting that time of year right now. Like it's starting to get cold a little bit. Well, it was, but it's starting to get a little chilly. It's, it's coming up soon. And be, when it gets cold, what do we do? We make stuff like chili and we make stew and we like to get inside our homes and kind of warm up, you know? And, and so if you've ever made stew before, what is it? It's a big pot of soup and we put meat and we put vegetables and we cook it at a low simmer and it brings it to a low boil and it kind of cooks and it just becomes infused with flavor, right? But there's another definition of stew that has to do with anger, and here it is. Uh, it says this, stew is to allow one's attitude to simmer, to continue in a disturbed state of mind. So here's what we do. Something makes us mad, and this little fire gets lit, and we just sit there in it, and we just let it start to cook, and we just let ourselves kind of come to this slow boil, and we let it, this is especially for those mutes, we just kind of let it just ride there, and we just kind of stay there, and, the, and this anger just gets worse and worse, and here's the problem. At some point, it's going to boil over, and it's going to burn you, and it's going to burn the people around you. So we have to learn to look at the example we see in Jesus and be able to disconnect from our anger. So we'll get back into that here in just a little bit. Let's look at the third thing we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus' anger had the proper control. Jesus' anger had the proper control. Jesus was never out of control when he got angry. Now you go, Josh, but what about the temple? Like he's turning over tables, he's making a whip, and he's chasing people out. Like that seems like he's a little out of control. Well, he's, he's not. And, and here's one of the reasons I know. Because the, the Pharisees, the, the temple priests of that day, were looking for a reason to kill Jesus. And right after this happens, it says that they're still looking for a reason, and they couldn't find one. Let me show you this. Luke 19, verse 47, we just read it. And verse 48 says, After that he taught daily in the temple, but the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. So they want to kill Jesus. They want him to die, Okay. Now look what it says next, verse 48, but they could think of nothing. Now remember, he just chased them out with a whip, right? He just did that. 
And now they're trying to find a thing to get, to get onto him about, to accuse him of. And that thing that he just did, they, they can't even point to that. Why? Because they know he was justified in it. They know that what he did was right. And they also know that he was in control. He was never out of control. He went and built a whip. <laughs> to me, that tells me he's in control. Like he didn't fly off the handle and just throw a bat at somebody. He went back and was like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm going to go build a whip. And he's out there cooking it up so we can go beat something with it. Jesus was in control. I love that. And, and that's what we have to, we have to learn to control this stuff. Now, here's the thing you got to understand about anger. Anger is a choice. If you're taking notes, write that down. Anger is a choice. You've probably heard this before. I know I did growing up all the time. I've even been guilty of saying it at different times in my life. That person makes me so mad. You ever said that before? Raise your hand. Come on. We, we've all said it. Or she makes me so mad. He makes me so mad. I, I, when I play sports, I, you know, sometimes I'm just competitive and I just, people make me mad when I play sports. I just get mad. Well, here's the truth. Nobody can make you mad. Anger is a choice. Nobody can make you mad. And, and, and to think that, here, here's what you're saying if you say that people can make you mad. Here's what you're saying. You're saying that person has more control over me than I have over myself. People can put you in situations that make it easier for you to accept anger, but ultimately, you're the one that has the choice here. You choose. And, and to say that, that someone is making you so mad, here's what you're saying, that person is stronger than me. I'm weak, and they're stronger, and they can, they can manipulate me and make me do whatever they want. But you always have a choice. Listen, hear me. God won't make you do anything. You always have a choice. If God could make you do anything, he'd make you get saved. If God could make you do anything, he'd make you stop sinning. But he doesn't. He, he wants people that choose him. You always have a choice. And anger is a choice. You either choose to, to operate in unrighteous anger or to direct your anger the right way and use it in a righteous way. That's what we see in the life of Jesus. Here's the fourth thing we see. Jesus' anger always had the proper results. And this is an important thing to understand. Because a lot of times our anger does not lead to the proper results. But Jesus' did. Jesus' anger always accomplished the will of God. Think back to, to those three stories. It was God's will that the man with the withered hand be healed. It's always God's will to heal. Amen? Amen. Yeah. It's always God's will to heal. Amen? Amen? It was God's will that kids would be able to come to Jesus. That's God's will. And that's why we, we do what we do with kids' classes here. That's why we, we put so much effort into making sure that we're teaching kids. We're bringing, we're making it possible to bring, so, so parents can bring children to Jesus so they can be touched by Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're, we're obeying what, God, what we see, what God showed us to do there. It, it, was, it was God's will that people would not be ripped off when they were going to worship. It was God's will that they wouldn't, they wouldn't get frustrated and not be able to worship God the proper way. That was, that was God's will. So, the, so what we see in, in Jesus' anger is it always produced good fruit. It always produced goodness. It was motivated by love. And its results were always positive. So, what do we do with anger? How do we deal with the anger issue? Based on this, what can we do? Okay, I want to give you three steps. Three things that God showed me years ago and how you deal with anger. Now, for me, I don't know how you were, but when I would get mad, I would get hot. Have you ever heard of a hothead before? I would literally get a hothead. <laughs> like my face would start to feel red and I'd just feel myself about to, you know, getting mad and hot. And I remember thinking about that one day and I just felt like God just said, what are kids supposed to do when they, get, when, when they catch on fire? Anybody remember this in elementary school? What are you taught to do? You catch on fire, what are you supposed to do? Three things, stop, drop, and roll, right? Okay, so let's take that 
and let's put that to how we deal with the anger of our life. Okay, so first of all, stop. You're taking notes, stop. What do we gotta do? We gotta stop, we gotta analyze the situation, and we gotta count the cost. You know, if you catch on fire, here's the thing about catching, physically catching on fire. They tell you if you catch on fire and you just start running, it's only gonna get worse. The fire's gonna spread, it's gonna spread on you, it could spread on other, on other people, other things. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to, we're supposed to stop. In the same way, if you just run with your anger and let your mouth run, and let your, your, your mind run, you're gonna find that it's gonna do a lot of damage to you and to the people around you. So what do we do? We gotta stop. We gotta analyze the situation, think it through. Okay, this is what the Bible says on this. James 1, 19 and 20 says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. What are we quick to? We're quick to listening, okay? Slow to speak. Husbands, that will save you so much there. Just be quick to listen and slow to speak. It'll change your life right there. And slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Proverbs 13, verse 16 says, Sensible people, or in other words, smart people, always think before they act. Proverbs 29, verse 11, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. Here's what God's saying in all this. Stop. Stop. Slow down. Think through the situation. This is something I had to learn to do. I had to learn when I started feeling that heat rise up in me. I gotta stop in that moment. I gotta, I gotta think some stuff through. I gotta ask myself some questions. Here's some questions. You're taking notes. I'm gonna rapid fire these out here. So if you're taking notes, try to get these down. Why am I really mad? Why am I really mad right now? What, what am I so mad about? Is it because of my pride? Is it because of an injustice? Is it because, uh, am, am I just being a baby? Am I just, you know, being a wimp here? Why, why am I really mad? Who am I mad at? Am I mad at my boss at work? So now I'm coming home and I'm taking it out on my kids and my wife. You know, the, the number one place that anger is expressed is in our own homes. That's a sad stat. The people that we love the most, the people that we should care the most about are the people who take the brunt of our anger. That's not good. So who am I mad at? Am I mad at myself because... I made a bad decision or I did something. Am I mad? Here, here's a good one. Am I mad because everyone is driving slow or am I mad because I left a little bit late? Right? You ever been there before? You ever notice when you're running late, everybody drives terrible. They're, the lights take longer and people don't know how to drive anymore. It's like all of a sudden, it's not that. It's that you are behind. It's your fault. You go get mad at them. Get mad at yourself. Get up earlier. Set the alarm, dude. Don't hit the snooze bar. That's who you should be mad at. But we take it out on other people. We get mad. People like kill people on the road. That's nuts. Why? Because we're, we're just so angry. We don't learn how to control this. Who is being harmed with my anger? Who's being harmed in the situation? Is it my pride? Is it my ego? Huh. Is it someone that I love and care about? Is it the kingdom of God's being affected by what's going on right now? Do, do I need to respond right now or do I need to respond later? And let me just tell you, if you're a machine gun, you probably need to respond later. <laughs> Go play the piano and chill out for a minute. And, and if you're a mute, you probably need to respond now. Probably need to kind of reverse that and start talking things out. How, and, and so here's the next question. What do I really want? And here's, here, let me think about this. Is, is what I'm about to do going to help me get what I want? Is shutting down and not saying anything to anyone, just kind of packing it away, is that going to help this problem? Is, is lashing out and just exploding all over everyone around me, is that going to help me with this problem? Probably not. 
We've got to analyze the situation. We've got to ask ourselves some questions. Here's the next thing we do. We calculate the cost of anger. Think it through. What's this going to cost me? And the Bible is really cool. It, it kind of speaks to this, this idea of what anger can do. In, in Proverbs, it's, it's, this is really cool. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says, An angry person causes trouble, and a person with a quick temper sins a lot. Anger leads us to more sins. Proverbs 15 verse 18, hot tempers cause arguments. Proverbs 14, 29, anger causes mistakes. Proverbs 14, 27, people with hot tempers do foolish things. So let me give you an equation, okay? If we're calculating the cost, here's what these verses tell us. If we lose control of our anger, we either blow up or pack it in, whatever it is that we do, here's what it's gonna cost us. I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm going to sin. I'm gonna cause arguments. I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna do foolish things. And what does that equal? All that stuff equals this, a lot of pain, a lot of regret, a lot of heartache, and a lot of stress. So here's something to remember, okay? I always lose when I lose my temper. Take a note to write that down. I always lose when I lose my temper, whether I lose it out on everybody or I lose it inside, I always lose. It's not worth it. I've got to learn to calculate the cost. I've got to learn to think this stuff through. I've got to slow down. I gotta stop, okay? I gotta stop. First thing you have to do is recognize I'm getting angry and I gotta stop right now. What's the next step? We gotta drop, okay? We're now positioning ourselves to put out the fire. We've stopped and we've recognized that there's a fire coming. Now we're gonna position ourselves to get rid of the fire. Here's, here's what I mean by drop, okay? Two things that we do in dropping. Number one, we drop our view and we consider theirs. And the second thing is uh, we drop the charges against them. We drop our view and consider theirs. Realize this about people who have a problem with anger. We say this all the time here at New Song. Hurt people hurt people. People that are hurting like to hurt other people. You know, I think back to myself as a kid. I think about my temper and how angry I would get. And, and it, it all came from anger. It, I mean, it all came from hurt. It all came from me realizing, uh, thinking low about myself. It came from me feeling like, I wasn't as good as everybody else. It came from me thinking people were looking down on me. So what did I want to do? I wanted to cut them down to size. So I'd lash out and blow up. And you know, there's people who are unloving, they have felt unloved. People that are mean, they have been treated mean. And, and they're just expressing, it's just coming. And so if we can recognize this and realize that it's not just, you know, that's a bad seed, but it's just like this person is actually probably hurting then it can change our perspective and how we deal with them. Now, I'm not saying you have to just put up with people's junk. I'm not saying that at all. If there's someone abusing you, if there's someone that's physically, emotionally, verbally, whatever, you don't have to put up with that. That's junk and that you don't have to put up with that at all. But, but at least you can understand where this might be coming from and you can begin to pray for people and you can forgive people, which is a very important step. And it's the next step. we drop the charges against them. Listen, it's very important that we forgive people around us who have done wrong to us. We've got to forgive them. If we don't forgive them, we can't receive forgiveness from God. The Bible says this in Mark uh, chapter 5, Mark chapter 11, I'm sorry, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Look at this though. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So the Bible says that if we can't forgive other people, then God can't forgive us. You don't want God not forgiving you. 
So we, we got to learn. We got to drop the charges against them. It doesn't mean that what they did, what they did, were saying that what they did was right, that what they're doing, what, what they did was okay. It doesn't mean that at all. It's just saying, I'm going to trust you, God, with judgment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it over to you. And I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm going to choose to forgive them. And listen, just like anger is a choice, forgiveness is a choice. It starts with a choice. You make the choice and the feelings will follow. And I, I've, I've lived it, guys. I've had people hurt me. And I've had to make choices to forgive them. And it wasn't easy. And sometimes it took a while. But eventually I saw God heal my heart and help me to move past and, and recover relationships and do all sorts of amazing things. But we have to make that choice. So we drop. We drop the charges against them. We drop just our view and we try to see it through their perspective so that we can pray for them, love them, and forgive them. And here's the last thing. And this is the really important step. This is so important. If we're going to actually put out the fire, we got to roll it's not enough to just stop. You're just going to burn up if you stop. It's not enough to just drop and lay on the ground and burn up. <laughs> You've got to roll. Rolling helps you to put out the fire. So, so what, what is rolling? Here's what rolling is. We roll the problems over to God. We roll our, our anger over to God. Now, let me, let me say it this way. You roll it over to your helper, who's also known as the Holy Spirit. If you're going to deal with anger and, and walk in the freedom God wants you to have, wherever you may be with anger, you're going to have to learn to lean in to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this in Galatians 5. It talks about what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life, the fruit of the Spirit. You've probably heard it called this before. Galatians 5.22, for the fruit of the Spirit is, look at this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every one of those is the opposite of what anger produces, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life. And that's what saved my life from anger. That's what saved me from being a mean person, from being an angry person, from being someone who would say things, fly off the handle. See, I, I've got this knack. And, and I'm in an argument with Sarah. I can cut her down. And I used to do it. And I'd say mean things that I knew would hurt her. Because if I felt like I was losing an argument, which she can do that to me, it was my defense was like, okay, you wanna, you wanna make me feel small? I'll make you feel real small. Here's what I've learned. If I'm full of me, I don't do very good. When I'm full of Josh, I can get mad at stupid stuff. I don't just get mad at stuff I could get mad at. I get, stuff, I get mad at stuff I shouldn't get mad at. But when I'm full of the Spirit of God, when I've got the Holy Spirit operating in me the way he's supposed to, when I'm allowing him to guide me and lead me, I don't get mad about anything. I can find stuff that I should get mad about. People around me are like, how are you not mad about this? I'll tell you why. Because I'm full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's not the fruit of Josh. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So what does that mean for us? Here, here's what that means. That means you need to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you've never taken that next step in being actually filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, there is a third baptism that we're called to walk in called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the family of God. And then there is a outward expression. We're gonna do that next week, the water baptism where you're baptized by fellow disciples. But then there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit where you're baptized 
uh, Jesus baptizes you into the Holy Spirit. And this, the Spirit of God comes to empower you and lead you and guide you. And he is your helper. And he helps you to overcome the things of this world. This is what relationship with God looks like. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you someone like me. And he's going to walk with you. and He's going to guide you. This is knowing God as God wants to be there in you and with you all the time. And this is a game changer. Maybe you're here today. You've never received this today. We'd love to pray with you today and help you to receive this. And I promise you, it's not weird. We're not going to do any, we're not going to try to make you manifest something or anything like that. We just, how you receive it is, is simple. It's real simple. It's by grace through faith. You believe it's available by the grace of God through what Jesus did on the cross and you receive it by faith, just like you receive salvation. You receive it by grace through faith. It's real simple. And maybe you're here today and you've been filled with the spirit, but maybe you find yourself, you know, you're not really operating in that. You're not really living with a relationship with God. Here, here's a prayer I pray every day. Four, four simple words. Holy Spirit, help me fill in the blank. For me, Holy Spirit, help me with my anger. I need help. I recognize that. And so here's what God, here's what God does. When I start to feel that anger rise up, I, I have something inside of me. It's called the Holy Spirit. He rises up and he says, hey, Josh, calm down. Think this through. You're, you're seeing this wrong. He's like, that he's a helper. He wants to help you. And he's there for every one of you. So maybe you're here today and, and you've been filled with the Spirit, but you need a fresh filling. You know, we're, when, the, when the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it talks about be being filled. It means we're continually to be filled. We have to daily be filled with the Holy Spirit. So whether you're here and it's your first time or maybe it's your 50th time, wherever you may be today, we'd love to pray with you today and help you with this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Let me say it another way. What's God saying to you today? Let me say it another way. If you're new to church, what are you thinking right now? Because you know what? That's how God talks to us. It's in our thoughts. That's what God's voice sounds like. It sounds like you. What are you thinking right now? Maybe you're here today and you feel like God's saying to you, you you've kind of let the Holy Spirit go. Maybe you've been filled, but you haven't really been leaning into the Holy Spirit and you're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life. You're not the father you need to be. You're not the mother you need to be. You're not the employee. You're, you're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit in your life and you'd like to, to have a fresh infilling. We, we can pray for you to have that today. Maybe you're here today and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to do that. It's really simple. We'd love to pray with you for that today. So I'm invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. And if you're here today and you have any need of prayer today, of any kind, maybe you're dealing with sickness, maybe you're dealing with some confusion in your life, maybe you need some wisdom over school situations, job situations, any situations. Listen, if it matters to you, it matters to God. I used to tell kids this when I taught children's ministry. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If you care about it at all, even a little bit, God cares about it a lot. So if it matters to you, it matters to God. And if you need prayer today, we'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to be filled with the Spirit. You'd like to, to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Real simple. Let's all, let's, in fact, let's do this today. Let's be filled with the Spirit right now. Here's what we're going to do. If you've never received the Holy Spirit today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And remember, we're talking to Jesus. He's the one that baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Then we just, you're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to baptize you. It's real simple. It's not as complicated as people make it. And maybe you're here today and, and you want to be refilled. You're going to pray this prayer with me, all right? So say this with me. Say, Father God, thank you, Jesus, for filling me with the Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. Isn't that great? So if you're here today and that's all you got to do, you just keep going back to God. 
Keep asking God to fill you up. Now, maybe you're here today and you've done that for the first time. I want to encourage you to come down. Let one of these people know that you prayed that prayer today. They'd love to talk with you a little bit about how you can continue to walk in this. God's got gifts for you. He's got an anointing he wants you to walk in. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Would you stand with me? We're going to go back into a worship song here. And this is, this is not the time. I know sometimes this is kind of the time we start packing up our stuff and checking out. And, you know, but I want to encourage you to just, just chill out for just a moment. Because we want to kind of finish our service strong. We, want, we, we start with the presence of God. We start, we start by inviting Jesus to show up. We, we want him here with us. And let's, let's end today by, by talking with God, by connecting with Jesus Christ. So today, if, if you have any need of prayer, while we're, while we're having this time of worship, David's going to lead us in a song. I want to encourage you to come down and receive prayer. That's what these guys are here for. But if, you, if not, I just want to encourage you, lift your hands and engage with the heart of God. Let's worship God this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your grace. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, that you made a way that we can deal with the issues of life. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and his gift, this amazing gift that that Jesus gave us in the Holy Spirit that can walk with us and direct us and lead us. And Lord, we lean into you. We we roll our issues over onto you. We thank you that we can have a relationship with you. you. You can walk with us and talk with us and guide us. God, we're so grateful. And I pray, Lord, that everyone in this, in this room who has a prayer need would have the faith to step forward and to pray and join their faith with ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.